There are so many things as humans that we don't really understand. There are mystic, magical, faded things, as well as otherworldly realms that we just can't comprehend unless it's through the journey of our own soul. I'm your host, Steffi, aka The Spirit Sis. I'm a psychic medium, astrologer, and intuition teacher, and I'm here to take you on an exploration of all things spiritual. I'm going to connect to source, give you divine downloads, and I want to keep you in the spirit loop. So here is the psychic scoop. What's up, lovies? Welcome to another episode of Psychic Scoop. I am your host, Steffi, aka Spirit Sis. I am a psychic medium, astrologer, and intuition teacher who is ready to give you the scoop, the good good of all things spiritual and mystic. Before we get into today's episode and to introduce my absolutely lovely guest, I just wanted to say a little quick hello if you are a new listener or new friend on Instagram or TikTok. (laughs) I am an elder millennial on TikTok, y'all. And I have to say, I am pretty shocked. One of my posts actually went somewhat viral this week. (laughs) It's almost at half a million views. Anyway, if you are listening or found me from that TikTok, I just want to welcome you to the show. I'm so, so happy you're here. And I also have another huge announcement. Okay, so if you have been feeling a little stuck or lost or confused, or you're just genuinely curious about astrology, I post Posted a free masterclass on how to find your life purpose and how to find your superpower gifts using your own birth chart. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this is free 99. All you have to do is sign up with your name and your email and you get instant access. Go to the link in my show notes if you want to sign up for that or go to my Instagram. The link is in my bio. I'm sure I'll be promoting it. But honestly, I really am looking forward to you doing this because I've been there. I have been confused, stuck, lost wondering what my purpose is. And that's why I made this for you. So you can do a little bit of a cheat sheet into finding your strengths and giving you a little more clarity so you can go in the direction of your dreams and live the life that you want to live. So check that out. It's also a 56 minute training. (laughs) So buckle up and get ready to learn. So today's guest is someone who is very near and dear to my heart. She is my best friend of 16 years. Her name is Haley Arkovitz. We met freshman year of college and we text all day, every day, long paragraphs to one another. (laughs) And we decided, why don't we just make this conversation into a podcast? So you're going to hear a pretty raw conversation between two best friends, but Haley is in school to be a mental health professional. So she gives really good insight on her mental health journey. Both of us talk about our experience with anxiety, our experience with Western and Eastern medicine, and we just give our point of view about everything we've gone through. Haley shares her unique and inspiring story about how she found her breast cancer and how she was an advocate for her own health. And we also touch on a healthy body image and comparing ourselves to others and intuitive eating. So there's just a little slice of pie for everyone. So please enjoy and welcome Haley, but I call her Hallie, <laughs> to the show. Hi, Hallie. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. So for listeners, will you tell everybody what your top three is in astrology? Do you remember? Oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> my sun sign is Pisces. Am I a Libra rising? Yes. And then a, a Taurus? Taurus moon. Yes. yes. Okay, I knew. 
Good job. <laughs> I mean, if I'm your best friend, you better. I know. I, know. I was like, oh shit, my heart started racing. Sorry, I won't <laughs> swear. Whoops. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We like swearing on the show. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to play on the spot, but you are a Pisces sun, a Libra rising, and a Taurus moon. And also, she is a five one emotional generator. Yes. We are both emotional, which is why we connect. Yeah, very, very much so. Do you resonate with those placements or does it just mean like what when I tell you all those things, what do you feel? Oh, no, I very much resonate. And you have really helped me kind of like hone in on that stuff more and like see it, how I can use those things as a strength rather than think of them as a weakness, which I did before. But it's been really cool to learn more about it through that lens. Yeah, totally. I know for everybody. It's funny because I think we've talked about doing this podcast like a billion times, but the timing was always weird. And then we were like, didn't yeah. know what topic we wanted to talk about. Yeah. I was like, let's just talk about everything under the sun when it comes to our friendship and spirituality. But originally <laughs> I wanted to call this episode, I think it was like anxiety all-stars. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I both have like, would you say severe anxiety? I would say severe. I think we've both grown a lot. You know, so like, I don't know if I would consider, I feel like we have so many tools now, but yeah, I mean, I think we've both experienced severe anxiety uh, at times in our lives for sure. Totally. And how do you feel like you've overcome like some of your anxiety, like every day? Like, is there anything you do that's small? I mean, honestly, just finding the right therapist has been so helpful um, because in the past, well, now that I'm learning myself kind of about um, different therapeutic models and approaches because I'm in school for mental health counseling. It's really interesting because now I can kind of see like what my past therapists were working from and they were all working from kind of like more so the kind of model where like I would go in and we would just like talk a lot about my past and they were very empathetic and but it was just like we were just ruminating kind of on my problems and I wasn't getting the tools I needed and I finally found a therapist that is more um, solution focused. So it's like we just get down to business. Like he gives me tangible tools to kind of like change my behavior. And so he's not really interested in talking about the past or like why I have anxiety because I feel like I know all of that by now. You know, I know the why behind it, but it's like, now what? And I feel like a lot of people feel that way in therapy. They're like, okay, I get why I'm this way, but now what do I do? Yeah, I really like the approach he works from because he's kind of like given me really tangible tools and um, he's given me like exposure therapy for some of my like phobias and exposure therapy is amazing. And yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about exposure. Wow. We're just getting right into it. There's not even any like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> like light discussion. I'm like, tell me about your phobias and fears and anxieties and all of your life traumas. So you just recently got married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was very exciting. And you kind of had a little bit of anxiety surrounding like what was it being up on the altar or like people looking at you? Like what exactly was? Yeah. It's just kind of like stage fright is like everybody staring at me and being the center of attention was r really scary for me. I've always had that. But like I think it started when I was in sixth grade choir class. <laughs> Our teacher made us stand for like over an hour in 90 degree weather with no AC and a bunch of people passed out, including me. <laughs> Like three of us, one girl like threw up and two people passed out, including me. And ever since then, I like had this fear of like standing in front of people in a situation where I can't escape from. Like it became this phobia where it's like I'm in this like formal setting and it would be really embarrassed if I like fainted right now. So I think the fear of like fainting started giving me this anxiety that made me feel like I was going to faint. So it was like the cycle yes. that I had to had to break. And so like my wedding like triggered that again because 
I was going to have to walk down the aisle and everyone was going to have to stare at me. And so we worked through that with my, I worked through that with my therapist quite a bit and like did a lot of exposures where like he would even have me um, cause the symptoms of like dizziness and fainting on purpose and then like try to go like just walk around or like it was like it sounds really weird and counterproductive me it sounds scary like causing yourself dizziness and that's the thing you have to get comfortable with your uncomfort basically discomfort you have to get uncomfortable with your discomfort comfortable with your discomfort yeah definitely Jeez. okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a tongue twister okay got it 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 is scary um very scary but it's very effective because the more you do something that scares you the less scary it becomes so you know i would like find different ways that i can like put myself in situations where i was like talking in front of people or everybody was looking at me um and just like working through that discomfort and kind of just like paying attention to the physical symptoms I was having and being more curious about them than trying to fight them. And that's another tool he kind of gave me for fighting like panic attacks is rather than trying to like fight off the panic because when I start to feel panic or I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh my God, no, 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 like stop, stop, stop. And kind of like saying that in their head and like trying to pinch themselves or like try to like get themselves out of it. And that just makes it worse because you're telling your body like I'm in a dangerous situation. So you start hyperventilating more, your heart starts pounding and like it just feeds the anxiety. Um, And so he kind of taught me to like be more curious about those symptoms, kind of welcome it in and just give it less power. Yeah. When I have anxiety attacks and I've been pretty open on the podcast about before I was really like open with my psychic gifts, I would get panic attacks more often. And, you know, especially when I was around like toxic people or when my boundaries Mm. weren't good and my anxiety was really bad and I would black out and I would wake up in the hospital or wake up in the parking lot of the hospital and I wouldn't know. But it's funny now that I'm, you kind of talked me through some of that, like observing yourself in those panic attacks. I've noticed that I'm totally, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze. I am totally flight. When I'm having a panic attack, I'll get up and start walking around the house. I'll look at myself in the mirror. I'll pinch like, like you just said, or apparently I will get in the car and just go. Cause to me, I'm like, if I'm going, then I'm forgetting. Right my symptoms, which is like, you know, you're trying to pretend it's like not happening completely. And I've noticed that in general, like even if I'm in like an embarrassing situation, like instead of like being like ashamed or like kind of sitting there and like, I literally will laugh and run away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so normal and like natural to want to do. It's really, it feels really counterintuitive to welcome in those feelings because who wants to feel that stuff but it's just kind of like recognizing that it doesn't have power over you and being like okay yeah i know this i i am very familiar with this my heart's racing i'm sweating i'm shaking you know like bring it on do your thing body (laughs) and it's just kind of like at that point the anxiety is like i have no power over you you know exactly what i am and you're not scared of me and it you'll start to calm down just on that alone because you're not fighting it or fleeing from it or freezing you're just kind of you're welcoming it and it's it's way um easier said than done obviously but when you're in the moment it takes a lot of practice yeah right and i know it's like i used to roll my eyes like deep roll when people would say like just take really like deep calming breaths but like it actually does help regulate your nervous system. So I've worked on just breath in general in my life, like Mm -hmm. really trying to channel deep diaphragmic. Is that even a word? Diaphragmatic? Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Deep diaphragm breathing, right? To like really push out your belly and even just calming down. But even in my day to day, I like omitted caffeine completely from my diet. I sometimes I take CBD at night. I have been medicated for anxiety and depression in the past, which has helped short term. So 
we're really starting strong with the mental health. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I love talking about this stuff. So <laughs> it's like light chat for me. <laughs> it's true, true. Do you find that now that you're, you know, you're getting your, um, you know, your master's and is it clinical psychology? So eventually I'll be a licensed professional clinical counselor. It's a LPCC. So it's a master's in, um, mental health counseling. Okay. So do you find that your anxiety has gotten so much better now that you've been understanding the psychology around your symptoms or your That's a good question. I think it's all honestly more so the work I've been doing with my therapist because you can be a therapist who helps people through anxiety and suffer anxiety yourself very easily. Like you can be there for your clients, but still have problems of your own. And that I think it's important that counselors still get counseling for themselves, but it is cool to kind of be more privy to the approaches that they're using and kind of like have more language around it to be able to ask like, oh, I learned about this approach. Like maybe we could try this and school has helped me just educate me more on what's out there. Yeah, that's really cool. It's almost like fine tuning an instrument. It's like, you know, when, when people pick up, I know nothing about music, but when people <laughs> pick up the guitar and they haven't played it and they have to like, yeah. you know, what, what do they have to do? Like tune it. Yeah. I feel that way about even my channeling. It's like, yeah, yeah I, I give readings all the time, but if I'm not centered and if I'm not working on my energy work and I'm not clearing out bad energy or resetting myself or meditating, I find myself not being able to be the best person I can be for my clients. So it's probably similar to your profession. Oh yeah. I mean, for any helping profession. Self-care is so important. If you're not taking care of yourself, you you literally just can't show up to your best ability for the people you're trying to help. So I personally think every counselor should be in counseling themselves. Um, it's not, not required <clears throat> for counselors, but I think it's important personally. And I think I'll continue to do it throughout my career. Same, same. And once you find that good therapist, it's like a really sweet, emotional, great bond that you can't, it's like irreplaceable, you know? Yes. So we both suffered from obviously anxiety. Some of it is Mm -hmm. past life related. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some of it is also this life related, but you and I, the thing about our friendship and we've been friends for 16 years, which blows my mind. I know it's crazy. But you and I have like similar things happening in our lives at the same time. Even if it's something silly as like, oh, I have an UTI. It's like me too, <laughs> the same day. Or my left eye hurts. My left eye hurts. Yeah, you know? it's been really weird. That's been the, the story since the beginning for us. Yes. And there were even times where I'd like questioned if you and I were like twin flames or had the same soul in different bodies. And obviously you've had very different journeys, but we found out we did have a past life together, which makes so much sense. Yes. And what was so cool about that past life is you and I were channeling it together, like via text. And we were like basically piecing together the story. And Haley was like, said something about like us being sisters. And then I was like, we have been. And then she's like, and we were wearing blue dresses. And I was like, how did you know that? I saw the blue dress. And then we both started filling in details via text about what happened and everything she said, like I saw and vice versa. Yeah, it was like matching up perfectly. It was so crazy. Yeah. But the, the base, the basis of the story was like, we kind of estranged from our family and we were in some part of France, right? Yeah, definitely. And we were young and we were estranged from our family. I don't know if it was like war or poverty or what. I don't know exactly the circumstances. I think our parents were dead. Yeah, we were total orphans. Orphans, yeah, on the street. 
States. And anyway, we had to like steal money or sorry, steal food to survive. And we were starving. And so we went to this 4th of July party, like a few hours or maybe days after we had this conversation and Haley and I were (laughs) freaking starving. And there was literally a cooler full of like watermelon and like sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. Sandwiches. We didn't know whose food it was. Like it wasn't like necessarily our friends. (laughs) No. Yeah. It was like this girl who was like kind of the beach, like next to us kind of. And she was like, you guys want some food? And we're like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. And then she's like, no, seriously, have anything you want. So then Haley and I basically shared a sandwich, but we were like hovering <laughs> over this thing, like taking bites, like back and forth. It was like, like we- so traumatic for like what it was. And we we're like, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. But again, we were like, Haley looks at me like dead quiet. And then she's like, oh my gosh, it's just like our past life. <laughs> I was like, you're right. Like we basically are stealing food and, and sharing it bite by bite and hovering <laughs> in a corner and not letting anyone see us. Yeah, so That is a great story. But anyway, we are like sisters and obviously best friends, but we've gone through so much together. And so one of the things I really wanted to bring you on the podcast for is you've had like an incredible journey in your life. And I think that you have been such a great advocate for speaking up for yourself when it comes to your mental health, but also your physical health. So just to kind of like turn the page and go into your story, Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable sharing, I want to talk about you're a little bit of your health anxiety, how that came about and how you kind of worked, worked through what you went yeah. through. Okay. So I, I am diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Honestly, feel like I've kind of had like obsessive thoughts and like rumination stuff ever since I was little, but um, it's always manifested in different ways. For a few years of my life, it manifested as kind of like hypochondria and health anxiety. And I was always just almost looking for something wrong or like any symptom I had, I would Google it and convince myself I had some terminal illness. Sorry, with OCD though, is there like a trigger for, or, um, you know, when I think of OCD and just for people who maybe don't understand it, when I think of OCD, I think of, um, you know, what's, what media has portrayed turning OCD, the like, doorknob five times, washing your hands. Yeah. Completely like as good as it gets, like he can't walk on the crack. That's a very classic presentation of it, but that's not the only way that it manifests. Like it's, Got it. It's Got really it. just the obsession part of it is you're, you have these obsessive thoughts that um, you are ruminating on like over and over again. It could be anything. It could be like about body image. It could be about um, the cleanliness of your home. It could be about your health, anything. And then the compulsions are the actions that you do to kind of try to calm down the obsessions and the ruminations. Um, it's the same thing. I mean, like you have this obsession where you have to turn the doorknob five times or else like something bad will happen. And so you then the action or the compulsion is actually doing it thinking that that's going to like do something. But at the end of the day, like acting on those compulsions are just further um, kind of enabling the, the obsessions. It's just a cycle that you need to break. And it's really, really hard. For me, it's been a lot of different things. But at one point, it was totally obsessing over my health. And I was googling things and thinking like, I had all sorts of cancers or MS or just all, anything like I had a headache and I had a brain tumor. Yeah. And I think some of that is relatable though, because I mean, on some level, I feel like I've Googled myself into cancer quite a few times. Oh, too. for sure. I think a lot of people do that. And that's the beauty and the, also the disadvantage of having the internet at our fingertips, yeah. right? And like, I think what took it further for me than maybe like other people is that it totally ruled my life. Like I couldn't focus on anything else other than like, oh, I think I'm dying. And I would actually go to a bunch of different doctors, a bunch of different specialists, like trying to prove that like something was wrong with me. And I was like spending time and energy, like trying to figure something out that just wasn't even there. 
was it the same symptom or was it different symptoms that it you could were be trying? anything? I mean, it was always like changing. I, I feel like we've talked about this before, like how amazing it is that how our bodies can respond to like anxiety or something going on in our life. And it shows up as something health related. So for me, I just think I was like causing these symptoms because of all of my anxiety over what could be wrong with me. Like it's just a total cycle. So it would be like, oh, I have like tingling in my feet or I have this like sciatica feeling or back pain or a headache or could be whatever, <laughs> just what the symptom of the day and what I think I have today. Uh, and okay. it totally ruled my life. Then one day I was um, shaving my armpits in the shower and I grazed a, like a lump on my breast. And of course, I was like in the height of my hypochondria. So immediately start freaking out. I get to the doctor as soon as possible. Long story short, I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 29 or 30. Yeah, you like just turned 30, didn't you? I remember yeah. you celebrated your 30th birthday and like within a week, I think you knew. It was in March after my birthday. Um, mm -hmm. But they, they misdiagnosed the lump as benign for I think a year and a half before I ended up getting a second opinion and they were like, this needs to be biopsied. And then that's when they found out it was malignant. So that kind of goes um, back to like, we can talk more about advocating for your health and getting second opinions and things like that. But um, I will say that like, once I got that diagnosis and like went through that whole journey, the hypochondria and the health anxiety almost like cleared up because of that, strangely enough, because it was like, I was doing all these things trying to like have some sense of control over my body. And it didn't do me any good. Like I still ended up getting cancer. All of that worrying about having cancer, like you never know if I could have just manifested myself getting cancer. But you think on the second hand, if you weren't so cognizant of your body, you might have not found the lump. So it's hard to say like, to the doctor which, about it or gotten second opinions. Right. It's like a chicken and the egg thing. It's like, well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? It's like your anxiety could have caused you to be so hyper aware of your body that you caught the lump. But also your and your manifestation of anxiety could have caused some cancer to form in your body. It's such a weird thing. And like you're a young, healthy person. So that's why it's like getting cancer when you are 29 years old, 30 mm -hmm. years old. I mean, that is like so unheard of. It's rare. It's rare. Yeah. And I don't have like a family history or anything. So it was kind of like very unexpected. And um, I also had this misconception that um, if you have really small, small boobs, <laughs> you're less likely to get breast cancer. And I had tiny boobies. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just can't believe this is happening to me. And it just showed me though that anxiety serves a purpose right like to an extent moves us forward to get things checked out or make sure we're on top of things but when it gets to a certain level it's like not great yeah it's it's hard it's hard and i think about my friends that don't have anxiety and i'm like how how it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even fair you know andrew like my boyfriend like he rarely gets anxiety like he says oh yeah i do but like i don't at least he doesn't have any like tells whereas me i'm like word vomiting every day like what i'm Same. anxious about or mm -hmm. trying to at least like bring some awareness because i feel like once i do bring it to light it like does help me kind of compartmentalize that part of my life more so than like what I'm really trying to do with my yeah. life. Like anxiety almost feels like it's this addition, this like thing that I don't need. So when yeah. I talk about it, it feels like I can like remove it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think that's like why therapy is so great because we have space to like talk about all this stuff. And I don't think it's great to like bottle it up. But then also it's not great to, I guess, let it run your life where you're constantly like complaining about your anxiety. So again, it's like everything is a balance. 
Right. Like I didn't want to identify as an anxious person. I want to identify as someone that just has anxiety, um, not the person who has like panic disorder, which I have been diagnosed exactly. with. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, okay, okay. So let's go back to the story. So basically for a year and a half, you had a benign lump. That's what they were saying. Yeah. What was your intuition telling you during that year? I think I just, my anxiety about getting cancer was so bad that when I got the reassurance that it was benign I ran with that like I just needed that relief to feel like okay I'm, I'm fine it's not cancer and like there's so many other reasons why women get lumps in their breasts like with their cycles and just cysts and but I stayed on top of it because they said come back in six months we'll do another imaging and I did that they still were telling me it's benign they said come back in another six months I did that they said benign again what was their basis off of that diagnosis? Honestly, I feel like it was my age and that like I seemed healthy. And so they were like, which I don't know, it seems unethical because clearly another um, radiologist recognized it as needing to be biopsied. So I was like, I don't understand how they didn't see that. But the, the next follow up I had, I was like, I'm just going to go somewhere else. Like, why not? I'm going to go to a different imaging place. And that's when like they were like, this is most likely malignant and you need to get it biopsied and that was like very very obviously difficult for me to hear and then have to wait for the biopsy appointment and then the results of the biopsy knowing that they think it looks very suspicious so finally i got it biopsied and um they confirmed that but i'm very glad that i got that i went to the other place because who knows if i kept going to this place and they could have kept telling me it's benign over and over again until it just until the malignant tumor was growing and because i was stage one thankfully um could have um, grown and become a higher stage. So right, which is just wild that doctors can just look at you and say you're healthy, like no problem. Which I actually had a very, and you know this too. I've had a very similar situation. Not not cancer, but I like had passed out, and my heart rate was like 38 beats per minute, which is extremely extremely low. Yeah. And I mean, I was like getting dizzy because my blood was just all over yeah. the place. And I had my friend Lauren drive me to UCLA doctor and he looked at her and said, like, what do you think the problem is? And she's like, what? Like, we're here because you're the one that's qualified to tell me that. No. He's like, you know, how many times do you exercise a week? I was like, I cycle, you know, I go to like, you know, I go to Soul Cycle like once or twice a week or whatever. And he's like, oh, OK, well, you're just like, you know, Olympic athletes have a really, you know, really low heart rate like this. I'm like, I literally work out once a week, if not twice a week. Like this is yeah, not, that's not normal. It was wild. But I remember we just like left there. and We're looking at each other like what just happened? This doctor looked at me and said, you're fine. When clearly I wasn't, I couldn't even stand without blacking yeah, out. It's really bad. Honestly, I feel like it's so hard sometimes to find a doctor who will take your, your symptoms seriously. And it's really common to be dismissed if you just appear young and healthy. But there's so many things that are invisible 
diseases, you know, and like you can't just look at a person and assume they're okay. And it just sucks that our medical system still has that. Right. And it's it's good to feel a little empowerment. Like if you're going in to do, don't do so much research that you're like Googling yourself into being scared, but knowing a little bit about what your symptoms are and what it could lead to or your family history, like having that empowerment really does help. And I feel like I've started to shift even after your journey of learning how I can be an advocate for myself because I'm still having like major health issues mm-hmm. and I'm still having doctors kind of just roll their eyes at me and be like, you're young, it's fine. And I'm like, I don't feel fine though. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not okay. Like I can't tell you the amount of times doctors have like given me a card for a psychiatrist and sent me out the door, like basically saying it's in your head. Yes. I, I don't think any of it was in my head, but I do think my brain and my anxiety could have caused the physical symptoms. I don't think I was making up the symptoms, but I think like anxiety can cause you to have symptoms and get diseases, but that's not what they should have done. That's very dismissive. And like, they need to take the symptoms seriously. Yeah. And this isn't all, this is just like not an umbrella of all doctors. Cause there's no. so many like empathetic and kind doctors that are out there. And that's why I think like finding someone that's just like your therapist, finding someone that's a good fit for you yeah. for what happened with me, with my, um, with my situation with my heart rate, I actually ended up going to an acupuncturist Mm. and he felt um, my pulse and he looked underneath my eyelids and he was like, your blood feels very thick. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, it feels like mud. And then he did a bunch of, you know, like put pressure points on me with the needles. And then he gave me herbs uh, for about, I think it was like a six week protocol. Mm -hmm. And then he told me to add a little bit more sodium into my diet. And no joke, I haven't had like a lot of the low blood pressure since. Wow. Which was crazy. I mean, yeah. And that's what I think the beauty is of having different options of like going to a different kind of doctor or alternative medicine. Um, If Western medicine isn't giving you the answers or the help that you need, I think that's great that we have other options. I will say something astrological (laughs) about about the situation, which actually someone pointed out in my chart. Uh, when I was inquiring an astrologer about my health issues Uh and because I've had health issues my entire life too. And she was pointing out something about Neptune and Capricorn. So basically everyone who was born anywhere between like 1984 and 1998, Neptune was in Capricorn during that time. So that's you and me. Uh We're both born in the eighties, but it's anyone in that timeframe. So if you were born, you have in that timeframe, you have Neptune and Capricorn, which means like Neptune is like a lot about like spiritual channeling and like Mm -hmm. being open and alternative medicine and like all kinds of spiritual stuff. But Uh Capricorn is very like system. I respect my elders. I need to like get the right opinion. I need to like check off all my marks. So when you have Neptune and Capricorn, your intuition is telling you to do something or maybe your health is telling you something, but the Capricorn is like, I need to listen to society. I need to listen to these doctors because they know what's right. Yeah. So anyway, for anyone who is feeling similar feelings to us and you have Neptune and Capricorn, going Eastern medicine is really helpful. I'll just say that. Um, I definitely still do Western medicine as well, but explore your options and doing both because that's where Neptune and Capricorn really likes to lie in between those two little realms there. Totally. Yeah. I think there's a time and a place for Western medicine. And then there's like, obviously amazing things about Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, all sorts of things. I saw a naturopath after my diagnosis as well. And she kind of like recommended supplements and stuff. You have to be careful with that too, though, because they can even just be trying to make money and selling you like a bunch of really expensive supplements. So I think it all comes back to like using your intuition, like you're always preaching and figuring out what is resonating most with you. And 
Um, not just like taking one opinion as gospel. And if it doesn't sit right with you, like for instance, like I ended up um, getting a double mastectomy and a reconstruction. And so I had to find a team of um, a surgeon who could do the mastectomy and then a plastic surgeon who could do my reconstruction. So I ended up getting reconstruction with implants. And um, I interviewed like five or six different plastic surgeons because I just kept getting bad feelings like I would see someone who was like kind of trying to tell me what was best for my body as far as like what size implants I need and things like that. And I was like, I could have listened to her because like she seemed to know what she was talking about. But I was like, I still want to find someone who wants to like be a collaborative team with me and like hear what I have to say too. And so from doing my research, again, like another thing that anxiety kind of helps me if you don't go overboard is like doing your research and being able to like be equipped with knowledge before you go in and be like, oh, I, I've read about XYZ option and do you do this? And so there's like all sorts of different surgeries that can be done. And so like because of the research I did, I just kept searching for the right surgeon that could do the, the kind of surgery that I had seen exists but it's like a it was like a newer age you gotta shop around sometimes <laughs> yeah shop around but i think it's also about one using your intuition but two having a really keen awareness of how your body feels and if something yeah. doesn't feel right and, and of course like you know fear is attached to emotion right yeah fear is scary anxiety is scary i think i'm dying i can't breathe you know those things are attached with fear but usually if you're in like a situation that is a fight or flight and your body is actually like trying to survive you actually don't have a lot of fear it's more of like i need to go to the hospital <laughs> yeah i need to get this checked i need to figure this out which is crazy because like when i've actually had situations that made me end up in the emergency room it was always because i had this intuitive feeling like i have yeah. to go in and it's very like calm and, and straightforward. Exactly. So I always talk about intuition versus fear and fear is attached to a feeling and intuition isn't. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Sometimes it's hard to, if you don't know the difference, you can totally right. mistake anxiety for intuition. But anxiety feels so much worse. Like mm -hmm. it's not as clear to you. But if you don't listen to your intuition enough, it can actually lead to more anxious thoughts and to lead you down a path that isn't necessarily like listening to your guides that are trying to like channel divine information to you. Right. So For sure. Yeah. Like what is some what are some things that you do now that just really either help your anxiety or help you listen to your intuition like a little more clearly when it comes to your health? I have learned to like listen to my body more than um more than google so that's a big thing like i stopped googling my symptoms truly i used to think that like googling my symptoms gave me like power and knowledge and like i think if you get a diagnosis that's when you can start googling and like getting empowered by learning more about the your diagnosis but trying to diagnose yourself on the internet i don't recommend um and so i stopped doing that and i also um cognitive behavior therapy i would really recommend for anybody that has like health anxiety or anxiety in general um, because you can kind of train those negative thought patterns and try to like come up with counter statements like okay i'm immediately going to worst case scenario but what else could this be? Like I have a headache mm -hmm. and I immediately think I have brain tumor. Oh, but how many times have I had a headache because I didn't drink enough water or I haven't eaten enough today or I'm really stressed. And so just like being a little bit more logical about what's going on. And I, I also don't want to say like ignore your symptoms or never assume it could be something bad because obviously you want to be diligent but and get it checked out. But it's like until you get an answer, you know, try not to jump to conclusions and um and there's a third one too. I mean, think about how 
<laughs> empaths take on other people's energy. So for me, sometimes it actually, the third element is like, is this my own? <laughs> I mean, we've talked about how we've taken on other people's energy as empaths, but yeah, if you're listening to, and then do you, you do int- intuitive eating as well, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what is that? You just kind of like feel what your body wants to be nourished by and you just eat it? Like, yeah. Do, I mean, I what? think like in society, like women especially are so conditioned to like think that dieting is like healthy and normal uh, and that like thinness is equal to worth and like we always have to be dieting and looking a certain way and we've just been inundated with messages um, that completely screwed up our body image, I feel like, since we were little. I just kind of like learned about intuitive eating where you listen to your body more like you eat when you're hungry, you listen to your hunger cues, you stop when you're full. Um, It's not about dieting. It's not about binging um, because a lot of times dieting can lead to binging. Going back to everything you preach about intuition, it's the same. You can use that to um, what you're eating as well. And obviously, I think it's hard for some people to wrap their mind around because if they don't have a good relationship with food, then they're thinking like, what do you mean? Because I'm always going to, I always want to like eat a bunch of chips and candy. And like, so if I just listen to that, like that's not good. And it's like, but once you heal your relationship with food and with body image, you have a more balanced uh, view on what your body is really craving. And a lot of times our body is craving greens and vegetables and fruit. And other times it's craving chips and you can have those chips because it's balanced with all the other healthy stuff that you've been eating. Totally. I find that like if I deprive myself of like having a few chips because I love pickle chips, (laughs) if I deprive myself of like having those chips, I will totally sit down in one sitting and like go for it. After a weekend, like if I'm just like, oh, I'm going to be really good and drink a bone broth or drink it smoothies, whatever. It's like I will literally uh, yo-yo so far the other way, which I think is what you were discussing. Yeah, I've also uh, really incorporated into intuitive eating into my life and it's changed a lot. Also with knowing my human design um, digestion profile, I'm, I'm calm, you're indirect light. Yeah, which really resonated when you told me that. Like I hate eating in bright light for some reason. Right. Yeah. You, you always like, whenever we go to the beach, you have like a hundred like different visors on and uh, you're definitely an indirect light homie. Um, But yeah, no, for sure. I think that helps. I think just also like knowing your astrology, like knowing your body, knowing your human design, like these are tools that help you not only with like knowing your purpose and knowing your worth, but also knowing like how you function. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, if I'm feeling a little off, like I just tap into my inner self or inner knowing or or really just like, okay, how can I get back on track? And the easiest thing to do is just like to take it slow. But yeah, I think what you're putting in your body is so important. Yeah, yeah like even you and I recently like had decided um, I had to be on this specific diet um, when I was in the hospital for like my little colon infection. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to eat red meat, but you and I are deciding recently, of course, because we had the same thing happen at the same time. You and I were like getting super iron deficient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started eating red meat again, just like sparingly. And it's completely turned around my energy levels, which is crazy. Yeah. And I feel like your intuition told you that. And same with me. Like I sometimes just feel like I'm craving steak, even though I don't really eat red meat that much. And then I would eat it. And like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm on my period. And like, that maybe makes sense because my iron was low and now I feel more energy and it's like listening to those things. And sometimes like our body is craving something that's good, maybe better for the soul than it necessarily is for the body, but it's okay in moderation. Like if it's not the only thing you're eating, you deserve to just enjoy like cookies and chips or whatever it is your soul is craving too. And just listening to that and not restricting yourself because I think restriction can lead you down 
a dark past sometimes eating disordered eating and things like that yeah you always have been such a good like hype girl for me with like my body image and supporting me and like through the throughout the quarantine you know I think it was difficult for a lot of us because like we weren't as active yeah. and a lot of us gained weight and you know I've had texted you like concerns about like the way my body was looking now and you know you're always just like clothes fit you not the other way around you know <laughs> and yeah. like you're always like screw that scale like screw that like don't weigh yourself and I just always found that like so comforting to talk to you about that because I think on social media it's really easy to go down a path of being like this girl is beautiful and she has the best body and she's literally eating a smoothie every morning like I can't do that so yeah I I think it's I see those what I eat in a day videos and they're really triggering because it will start with some like really thin girl showing her body and then showing like all these healthy things she eats and it's like it's just not responsible to put out there because everybody's bodies are so different. Like you can't copy someone's diet and all of a sudden look like them. <laughs> like we all have different bodies and different <laughs> needs. And I just think that like our bodies are the number on the, our, on the scale is should be the least interesting thing about us. Yeah. You know, it's like about so much more than that. And just how you feel. I had to learn to, I mean, I'm still struggling with that totally I think a lot of women are especially being on social media but working out for me I had to be like okay this is something I'm doing for my mental health it's not to like punish my body because I ate a whole bag of chips last night it's not to try to like obsess over seeing changes in my body it's just about my mental health it's about just like moving being good for good for you but not obsessing over how that is changing your body or just obsessing in general is not great. And I right. obviously um, have a predisposition to doing that. And so I have to be really careful not to do that when it comes to eating in my body because it could be a slippery slope. Yeah, totally. And even just like watching where you are in your cycle, like that can sometimes help too. And I think because you and I were on hormonal birth control for so long, mm -hmm. like getting off of that and seeing the changes in our body can sometimes be like staggering. Yeah. Uh, but being like, okay, I'm, I'm ovulating. And so I feel like more like greens or I'm okay. I'm on my period. I want a steak. Like yeah. you can again, intuitively feel what you need and what, and honestly, I just ask myself out loud, like what would feel, feel the most nourishing to me? Yeah. And then I just start small with that. Um, even if it's what feels nourishing to me is like a freaking dill pickle, yeah. which I will go for. Yeah. Like I will eat that and I'll be like, oh my gosh, maybe I just like needed a little boost of sodium or something. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I definitely want to like put the disclaimer that if you have a serious allergy or there's like a reason you need to be on a certain diet, obviously like listen to your doctor. Yeah. We're not professionals in any yeah. way. We're just literally, <laughs> we're sharing our experience. In general, I think. Yeah intuitive eating is great if part of that intuition for me um was realizing like dairy i do not agree with dairy so i do restrict dairy but um i wouldn't do that unless like my body was screaming at me that it hates dairy so i'm definitely lactose intolerant and so yeah like 100 percent. and you've denied it a, a few times oh for but... sure from years because cheese is like my favorite thing ever but I eventually had to listen to that. Yeah. And also because we grew up in Michigan because we met our freshman year of college. Yeah. And growing up in Michigan, we just had a different outlook on what nutrition was. And we <laughs> talked about this the other day when we saw each other. Like salad for me was just let, like iceberg lettuce like covered in ranch <laughs> yeah. which is delicious but like I didn't know and I like I feel weird even admitting this but like I'd never had a Brussels sprout until I moved to Los Angeles I, I honestly don't think I had either I think it's yeah. su such a midwest thing to just eat like cheesy bready casseroles Broccoli. all the time and like yeah like I just don't remember being intentional with like oh I haven't had any vegetables today like that didn't even cross my mind <laughs> no you didn't crave vegetables no. and then I was like 
you know, chronically constipated my whole life and like didn't realize that was not good. But I'm like eating Taco Bell every day, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is delicious. But it's yeah. like it comes to a point. And, and this isn't just like bashing Michigan in general, because I'm no. sure there were, were households that had like nutrition. But it is like moving to like a, a coastal city where it's just kind of um, but there's like pros and cons to that, too. Right. Like living in L.A., it's like you feel like you need to be having a green juice every day and like doing hot yoga and like keeping up with the joneses of all these like influencers the trendy vegetable like i had never known there was trendy vegetables until i moved here because i also worked in a restaurant it was like first it was like kale salad was huge and then it was the the shaved brussels sprouts and then it was squash blossoms <laughs> and then, then it was like arugula you know yeah. it's like there's always a trending and everyone was and drinking celery juice that was like a big thing yeah, I mean, I drink it for a while. I love celery juice, but again, it's like... But it's like not the like cure-all that they make it out to be necessarily. Yeah. It's like if you enjoy yeah. it, then great, but... <laughs> what else negative we have to say? <laughs> I'm joking, but regardless, it was just nice to talk to you about like all of these things that are totally normal that we mm -hmm. feel anxious about and how we can kind of just like take the power back and put, put ourselves in the driver's seat again and, and just kind of live our life in a better direction, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, like everything you're always teaching about intuition, like hone in on your intuition, advocate for yourself, go to therapy. I think I'll, you find the right therapist for you and um, just like use the tools. And I think therapist is very similar to dating. I think you need to go to a few. So for me, if I am blocking what I want to say in any way, or I'm holding back and I feel insecure saying something, I know that's not the right person for me. Yes, yes, yes. I think, yeah, listening to your intuition when you're trying to find a therapist is important too. Is like Intuition is important for everything. Everything. It's crazy. And like, um, I think a lot of people give up quickly on therapy if they have a bad experience. And I think like therapists are humans too. And you have to find that human that you make the connection with. And they're not all going to have the same approaches or they're not all going to make you feel the same way. So yeah, I feel like if you feel like you're holding back or you're feeling insecure, like you're saying, it's not the right match. And it can be quite daunting to have to keep starting over and like going over your trauma with someone new over and over again, but it's worth it in the end when you find the right person. And it's worth it money-wise too, because I know that I had a little mm -hmm. conditioning around spending money on therapy because I'd never my entire life and it's just worth every penny. And also that's like a scarcity mindset thing that's on me. And I talked to her about that and we work through that. So Again, I think it's like worth the investment. Your mental health should be just as important as what you're putting into your body and your exercise and, and keeping yourself like just overall healthy is also includes your brain. So. Yeah, I think it's one of the most like important things you could spend your money on. But at the same time, I do wish it was like more accessible. I think it sucks that not everybody maybe feels like they have the resources to get um, good mental health services totally my insurance doesn't cover it and it was hard like especially when i was in employment and like medicare it's like i couldn't afford anything yeah i know <laughs> it's it's i wish it was more accessible but there's other things i mean there's therapists that offer um sliding scales to people who might not be able to afford their the high costs there's like apps i forget what they're called but yeah yeah, yeah. might be more affordable so there's different things you can do totally okay great well Thanks, Hallie, for coming on the podcast and dropping some of your truth bombs and giving us your insight and your story. Of course. That was fun. I so appreciate it. And yeah. uh, we'll have to have you on another time to talk about more uplifting. Yeah, I feel <laughs> well, like we just scratched the surface on a lot of different topics. 
<laughs> well, I said uplifting, but it, it is uplifting. Yeah, I think, think it about... is. It's empowering. Like the world is full of uh, things that can bog us down. I think that's something that is important to acknowledge, but we have, you know, the power. I love you. You're my bestie of 16 years. I don't know what I would do without you. Honestly, like we text every single day and you just become such like a huge supporter and you're my family. So anyway, thanks for coming on the podcast and helping people with their mental health or you're not practicing yet, but you know, look out for Haley in the future. If you need a really empathetic and caring <laughs> mental health professional. Oh, thank you. Thank you so <laughs> I much. Love you. I love you. If you want to connect with me, head over to my website, spiritsis.com or my Instagram at spirit underscore sis, or come on over to TikTok. I'm posting a lot more uh, fun short form videos over there. And that's just at spirit sis. And until next time, I'm just sending you a lot of love as I always do, but make sure to take care of yourself, nourish your body and really truly listen to what your intuition is telling you. Take care of your mind. It's just as important as your body and it's an extension of your soul. Love you.